A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind for better mental health. Welcome to the show. This is A Space to Speak Your Mind, a radio show and a podcast about mental health and well-being made by people with lived experience in association with Cornwall Mind. We do occasionally cover subjects that some listeners may find distressing and for more information, help and support, please visit cornwallmind.org. I'm Richard and this is our three-year anniversary of the show. So thank you for listening if you've been with us since the start. You can hear all our previous shows by searching on Apple, Google, Spotify or Amazon Podcasts. It's World Mental Health Day on Monday the 10th of October and the theme this year from the World Health Organization is making mental health and well-being a global priority. And Mind are using this World Mental Health Day to use a spoken word to show the different ways people talk about their experiences. With their awareness campaign, if this speaks to you, speak to us, as sometimes finding the right words to say how we feel is tough. You can sometimes feel like you're talking another language and no one else understands. That's why this World Mental Health Day, they want to show the different ways people talk about their experiences. And as ever, that's what we do here on the show, talking openly and honestly about mental health. This month, a Space to Speak Your Minds contributor, Nathan, will be talking to NHS educator, storyteller and surgeon, Dr. Karen Rajan, and finding out about the Happe Cafe in London, the UK's first dopamine-inducing cafe designed to give consumers a mood boost when they need it most. Completely free of charge, the cafe will feature everything from singing baristas to compliment stations to a dopamine-inducing food and drinks menu to truly bolster the mood of anyone paying a visit. I'll be asking whether the menopause should be recognised as a protected characteristic in the workplace with Principal Lawyer and Head of Employment at Slater & Gordon, Joe Mackey. We'll find out about Bark Run with Lucy from Cornwall Mind, Frank from the Rotary Club of Truro and Boscawen, and Alice from Rosemillion Vets in Falmouth, as we learn that veterinary practice is one of the professions with the highest suicide rates and how important they're taking their mental health and the well-being of staff at their practice. They're also going to be there on the day giving loads of practical support. I'll also be talking to Dr Poonam Christian about how best to look after our heart. And with visits to GPs from going their health issues down, a risk of undiagnosed gynaecological cancers could be on the way if awareness is not raised and with one in four having felt not listened to in a gyno health appointment, media medic and GP Dr Hilary Jones will be talking about the EVE appeal and the launch of the new awareness campaign Be Gyna Aware. So first let's hear from Nathan finding out about the Happy Cafe. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. So in a world dominated by uncertainty and negativity, a small dose of daily happiness can indeed go a long way. This can come from spending time with family, taking a walk to be surrounded by nature, or from experiencing or enacting random acts of kindness. But with many feeling the financial pinch, it appears we are cutting back on some of the little things which provide us with a source of true happiness. Here with me now is someone who knows all about the importance of dopamine, Dr. Karen Rajan. Hi, Dr. Rajan. Hi, Nathan. Nice to chat to you. Nice to chat to you too. So can you start by telling us what actually is dopamine? So dopamine is a chemical, it's a neurotransmitter in the brain, and actually it functions in various other areas in the body, but we know about it through you know media and other people talking about it generally through its actions in the brain and how it interacts in the reward pathways so when we successfully complete a task we are rewarded with a dose of the neurotransmitter dopamine and that gives us a sense of accomplishment and this is why we feel like we keep wanting to do things and it's involved in the basis of addiction when we feel good we get a shot of something and we keep wanting to do it because we want to recreate that chemical high almost and why then is it so important that we get a little moment of happiness each day? So yeah, I think happiness 
on a philosophical level, it's about contentment and things like that. But actually, on a scientific chemical level it's all about different hormones and chemicals in our brain and we need to make sure we have the right balance of them so not only is it dopamine but serotonin endorphins oxytocin all of these various chemicals combined together are involved in mood regulation and at various points they make us happy depending on what we do to stimulate them and according to the research then, what are some of the activities that people were cutting back on to cut costs? Yeah, the research by Capital One was interesting. And one of the things which resonated with me was the fact that a lot of people are relinquishing their usual hobbies because of the cost of living crisis. And another interesting outcome from that was people take greater pleasure and derive more happiness from the small things. Not necessarily just material items, but spending time with friends and family, going out for a walk in nature, just very simple things like that, which shows us that happiness doesn't have to be expensive, it can be free. And then there's also the Happy Cafe in, in London. Can you explain to us what that is and why it's been set up? Yeah, so the Happy Cafe, so Happy as in Frappe, it's essentially a multi-sensory experience. They've got everything from laughing yoga to singing baristas, which I've never heard of anywhere else. And you go there and they've got a compliment station where someone says nice things about you and the singing baristas can come and give you some free hot chocolate or various other teas and drinks and all sorts of cakes as well. So so essentially all of this is free and it's in London for a couple of days and you go there and you can enjoy the food and drink and just basically laugh and be happy. So it sounds pretty incredible. And obviously some people might be catching it unfortunately after this cafe has run its course. So what other advice and tips do you have? So I think one of the most underrated things about happiness is sleep and avoiding sleep deprivation and focusing more on sleep because we all know when we don't sleep well we're in a really foul mood and long term making sure you're having a good sleep depth and quality can ensure that your mood is regulated and your mental health is protected and you're happy and in addition to that just maybe building in some regular pillars of happiness in the day and what i mean by that is maybe taking a few moments of mindfulness or meditation throughout the day so you take yourself away from the stresses of work or perhaps building in a 20 minute exercise routine throughout the day again to cause a release in the endorphins which makes you feel good and what i do as well every day is i make sure i have a phone call with my parents or have a chat with one of my friends who i've not spoken to in a while so having that social interaction so all of those things are free and there are small things which you can easily build into your routine and will guarantee a little boost of happiness every day. And finally then, where can we go for more information about this? So to find out more about the science of happiness and everything I've discussed and also about the Happy Cafe, you can go to the Capital One blog. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thank you, Nathan. A space to speak your mind. It's a space to speak your mind, and we're talking Barkerun, which is happening at the end of the month, and we have Lucy from Cornwall Mind with us. So Lucy, just explain what Barkerun is. Hi Richard, thanks for having us on today. Well, Bark Run is a dog-focused 5K family fun run around the gardens, woodland and private parkland of National Trust Trilisic. So we're putting on a really exciting active fundraising event where your perfect friend is going to be the star of the show. But you can walk, jog or run, it's all up to you. We want everyone to come along, get active in a gorgeous location and help us raise awareness and funds for better mental health in Cornwall. And what day is it happening? Bark Run takes place on Sunday the 30th of October starting at 9am. So if people want to get involved, obviously it is a 5k route and you're bringing your dog along. So what things do you need to be aware of? 
So we'd advise anybody that signs up to walk or run this event is happy and confident to be around dogs. Um, obviously, you can come along and walk and run without a dog, but obviously the emphasis is, is essentially on bringing your faithful furry friend to this event. Anyone can take part in terms of their human companions, so children and adults alike. But obviously you can walk or jog or run the event, just making sure that you feel fit and well enough to, to take on, on such a, a challenge. And the money will be raised for Cornwall Mind as well. So are we looking for people to sponsor or how is that going to work? So registration is £15 for a dog and an adult and £5 for adults and children otherwise. Of course, you know, we appreciate that times are tough and now more than ever. But this is a fundraising event and every penny that is raised will stay in Cornwall to support local people who are struggling with their mental health. We do ask your dogs to seek sponsorship if they can. We would love them to be able to raise a minimum of £15 and we've got some lovely goodies and and keepsakes for them if they're able to do that. But we we are very much aware that, that times are difficult and we're just grateful to see people coming along to take part in a great event that actually should be a lot of fun. Yes, yeah, I'm thinking with the emphasis being on the dogs, you could even create your own social media page with your dog, couldn't you? Or uh, exactly, dress them up, exactly. do all kinds of things exactly. and get them in training. We've only got a few weeks to go. so um, Exactly. You know, we're a county of dog lovers and here at Cornwall Mind, we're huge advocates for dogs and animals and, and their huge impact on our well-being and mental health. It's a great opportunity to get out every day and walk in, in all weathers to be a part of nature and to experience the companionship and the unconditional love that dogs offer us and so for us at Cornwall Mind we're promoting better mental health and and Bark Run is exactly that it's an opportunity to take your best friend for an incredible niche bespoke 5k walk somewhere that you're never going to be able to go again this is a route that's just available for us we can't thank the National Trust enough for gifting us this exclusive opportunity and it's going to make everybody just hopefully feel so much better for taking part and obviously there's going to be a lot of dogs on the day so people have to be really mindful with the dogs running around and we need dog friendly people to be there of course you know we need to ensure that everybody is safe and happy at this event and we're putting every measure in place to make sure that obviously we're we're as mindful as this is possible making sure that everybody that comes along is very aware that there will be lots of dogs there on the day taking this on board we're asking that all dogs need to be kept on a short handheld non-retractable lead at all times all dogs have to be under the control and ownership of an adult at all times and ensure that obviously any children that are with them are just very aware that we are in the presence of dogs at all time we've got marshals and veterinary teams on board to keep everybody safe and aware and plenty of space for everybody to keep a bit of distance and especially at the start line just to try and obviously ensure that everybody gets off on the right paw as i should say and it will be staggered event as well so not everyone will be running exactly the same time just to give a little bit of space between the people and the dogs that are running absolutely you know we're going to let our runners start first so there will be staggered waves so not everybody will start at the same time so the runners will will set off first and obviously we'll we'll identify our walkers and they'll go at another time so once we've got our final numbers we'll keep everybody informed in terms of their start time just to ensure that obviously everybody 
everybody's got enough of space at the beginning to sit off on a comfortable route. And because the dog is going to be the star of the Barker Run, they're going to get some treats at the end, aren't they? Gosh, this has been the best part of the job for me, really. I love dogs and I'm thrilled that we're going to be giving doggy bags to all our finishers when they finish the course at the end of this event. We've been really blessed to have an awful lot of sponsorship and support for this. So the dogs are going to get a gorgeous bag, courtesy of Waitrose, full of treats. Sea Salt have been really kind and have given us another gift to put into that bag. We've got medals for our youngest supporters and hopefully some other little things that we're working on now just to make sure that everybody leaves feeling that they've had a really nice time and proud to have, have achieved something really exciting. And we've also got Alice, who's a senior vet at Rose Mullion. So Alice, thanks for being here in the studio as well. Why have the practice got involved with Bark Run? So we're really, really excited to be part of Bark Run this year. We wanted to get involved because mental health is such a huge topic for everybody these days, I think. Not only from a personal point of view, but also from a professional point of view. The veterinary profession suffers, as everyone does, from mental health issues, but the suicide rate is actually four times higher in the veterinary profession than it is in any other profession. And so it's really important to us and it's something as a practice that we support all our staff with in various ways. And so when Lucy approached me if Rose Mullion could help to be sponsoring the Bark Run, we thought it was such a wonderful fit because obviously from the veterinary side of things with the dogs and being able to offer support with doggy first aid and advice with regards to how we could run the event, we all know how good dogs are for our mental health in our profession. Many of us at Rose Mullion have dogs or cats and other pets as well and we were more than happy to get involved. And you mentioned also as well about dogs and well-being and how good they are for our mental health so do you find that within the practice yourself absolutely i mean a lot of clients have either from a helping you get out and about and getting out of the house doing exercise whether that is running or walking or whether it's getting out and about and meeting people with your dog so meeting other humans and interacting that way or if it's just a case of having somebody to cuddle on the sofa when you're watching the telly at night it's every option really and they don't answer back do they <laughs> really <laughs> well, well they, they do mine answer back quite a lot so um, they do have their own way of, of letting us know when they want something you mentioned as well mental health as vets as a profession poor mental health how is that addressed within your practice and through the training that you have so we have a mental health well-being champion and um, well several of them throughout the practice so we have training for people members of the team as well as the management of the team we have access to some health assured company for free counseling if that's what we need we do an awful lot of check-ins with our staff all the time about how everyone's doing and it's just we are very aware of it and we talk about it a lot so it obviously is a very challenging occupation and so many decisions being made day by day and so much that you have to deal with as well isn't it it is and I think sometimes it's the emotional highs and lows that is some of it you know you can go from one appointment being a, a really difficult conversation about quality of life to the next appointment celebrating a brand new member of the family and that emotional yo-yo can be quite wearing for the team and what's going to be your role in the day 
So on the day, we're going to have first aid provision for dogs. Hopefully we won't need it, but we will have several vets and nurses available, both on our stand, which is going to be at the start and finish area, but also we're going to have a sweeper at the back. So there will be part of our team walking at the back of the pack, so to collect anybody that has problems on the way. And we will also have a couple of runners in the middle who will be easily identifiable in some high-vis jackets so that we can assist anyone on the way. What type of dogs are we expecting to take part in Bark Run? We're hoping to have representations from the whole doggy world, mostly dogs that are experienced runners, if they're going to be running with their owners. If your dog isn't used to running, then please do come along and walk with your dog. If you're in any doubt whether your dog is fit enough to participate in the bark run, please do seek advice from your own vet as to whether or not your dog can join in. And will your team also be taking part in the course as well? Yeah, there will be members of the team running the course alongside participants without their dogs so that we are able to help anybody that needs any help. But we are also hoping that there will be members of the team participating with their dogs. We certainly do have some very keen runners in our team at Rose Mullion and um, some will be bringing dogs and some may just be running anyway. So thanks so much, Alice. And we've also got Frank here from the Rotary Club of Truro and Boscowan. So tell me, Frank, why have the Rotary got involved in Bark Run? We often question why we do get involved in such enterprises when they seem so off the wall, really, at times. But we got involved in the Fowl River Walk, I remember, many years back. And more recently, we managed to hatch a plan to walk the coastal footpath of Cornwall. And we raised, I think, about £11,000 for Cornwall Mind. And that was just coming out of COVID. So there's an element there as well, isn't there? Um, Why get involved now in something that's going to take us outdoors like the Bark Run? And I think it's all our mental health has been questioned, hasn't it? People have been very slow to come back out to get involved in activity again, I think. And we know how important the physical is to help on the mental health of people. So I suppose it was a given that we'd be straight in there, given half a chance. Another element that really pricked my interest, and that was the bark run, park run. I'm an advocate of the park run. I'm keen myself, although it's no longer looking for line honours when I finish my park run. I'm just happy to finish, I have to tell you. But I think that whole notion of getting people out into such beautiful environment as Tulisic for exercise was right on for me and we've just marshalled the Truro Half Marathon and the Rock 5k out of Truro around Boscowan Park so we've got a history of marshalling I'm not sure that sounds a good role for a service organisation but it's something we do do well we're experienced in it so given half the chance to start planning this route where could we go how could we do it how could we do something that's not normally available to dog walkers And that's where involvement came in and our involvement has been in trying to make that possible. On park runs, there's a lot of dog walkers come along and jog with their dogs or walk with their dogs. So we've seen it happen. How can we build on that? 
that was the motivation and that's why we're now looking forward to gathering a team together to marshal this. So you're going to be marshalling on the day but as you've said this is a, a bespoke course so just explain where this is taking place. Oh, am I allowed to do that I wonder? It's quite interesting because the staff at uh, National Trust at uh, Trilistic have worked really hard with us to be able to make for one day only something that will be special. I, I'm going to whisper about dogs going into the gardens but we are being allowed to do that for a certain amount of time when the gardens closed and we're also going to be using an area of fields of parkland that has normally not been available to the general public so linking that all together into a 5k circuit wow that's a real bonus so this is quite exciting so people won't have been on this route before it's like a one-off and it's starting at the stately trellisk house isn't it and you're going through some woodland as well explain exactly where the route takes you i'd love to but i haven't done it myself yet. <laughs> it's that new but um it's going to take us across the road into some fields that are normally um leased from the trust to use with farming but these have changed usage and now the trust is quite keen to see some activity so there'll be some areas that have never been walked before by the general public parkland we know but um, top end of the garden as well which is going to be really interesting but i don't know enough about it yet we're going back to walk it again to really plan the marshalling in the coming weeks so we'll know a lot more then and there are some trail routes as well so people have to be mindful don't they this is not just straightforward flat ground that it will be a little bit challenging in places Yes, we're in the countryside and these are not marked footpaths. These are trails that we will be marking well in. So we're not going to get anybody lost and we'll be wearing our yellow jackets and waving to keep people on the right route. But yes, I mean, people need to come with uh, good trail running shoes or walking boots. And I'm hoping, you know, they'll have a really good time. And it is obviously dog friendly, so we're encouraging people to bring their dogs along. We want people who are very comfortable around dogs. And we're just asking as well them to be on their short leads, non-retractable leads, just so you're keeping control of your dog and, as you say, not running off, not going anywhere that we don't want them to be. Uh, Yes, that's right, Richard. And And those are the rules that pertain in park run which of course now is worldwide. So the good experience of having dogs along on these short leads and it does work well. I tell you what though, I'm scared to death. I'm not sure I shall volunteer to do the start with all those uh, um, owners with their dogs, you know, making a hell of a racket, I should think, wouldn't you? Oh, I think think it's going to be amazing. (laughs) The Rotary are managing the start and throughout the course as well. So a lot of the team are going to be there on the day, aren't they? Yes, I think so. We're looking forward to that. And we're even looking forward as a group of Rotarians and partners afterwards to perhaps walking the route ourselves but we haven't yet asked permission for that but that's something I think we'd like to do because it is so different. And we're hoping for good weather on the day and really it's going to be a bit of a family atmosphere so we're looking for people of all ages to come along and really enjoy the atmosphere. I'm not sure about the weather. I remember Newquay School, their school camp every year, they advertised a lovely brochure and Matt was the teacher and uh, he used to put as a headline, come and enjoy this camp, the wetter the better. And I love that because it really doesn't matter if it rains, does it? We're going to be all in our jackets and we're going to be warm and we're going to enjoy it. But um, the main thing is that it's not just going to be for elite runners. It's not going to be for the young and fit. It's for everyone. Bring your dog, come along, walk it, take your time. doesn't really matter. I have a feeling if it's going to be wet, the dogs are going to love it even more. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you're right, Richard. So, Lucy, it's going to be really exciting. It's happening at the end of the month. Loads of people to thank. And just remind us again about when it's happening and what people can do. 
Bark Run's going to take place at nine o'clock on Sunday the 30th of October at National Trust Trillisic in Fioc in Truro. It's a dog-friendly, family fun run for all the family. You can walk, you can jog, you can run, come along, take part in a bespoke route that we've been kindly gifted by the National Trust. It's going to be a great event. We can't wait to welcome all our perfect pooches and all their friends and family to come along and just get active, get involved and take on a great challenge to raise money and awareness for mental health in Cornwall. Like any great fundraising event, we're hugely indebted to all the supporters and partners that get involved to work with us and help us. We must extend our huge thanks to the Rotary Club of Truro Boscowan. They've been involved in the planning of this from the very start and their marshals are going to keep everybody safe on the route, ensuring that everybody knows where they need to go. Thanks to Sea Salt and Waitrose in Truro for all their gifts in our doggy bags. The National Trust especially, they have just been incredible supporters and it encompasses all of their team, the ranger team, the garden team, the welcome team, the visitor services team. We're so grateful for all of them getting behind this because it's quite a feat to navigate to get these different private parkland areas open and available to us. So we're ever so thankful to them for being so generous in their support. And of course to Rose Mully and Vets for their help on the day and in advance, all of their encouragement and support. And we've also got other sponsorship as well from the Dog House, who are a team of great dog groomers in Lou and Bodmin. We're thrilled to have them involved. And they're going to be on the finish line with our selfie frames and lots of photo opportunities for our pooches at the end to be snapped and papped. So if people want more information, they can go on the website now onto cornwallmind.org and to register. And we'll hopefully see you there for Bark Run. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. You can find the frequently asked questions and event-specific inquiries on the Cornwall Mind website too. And with Bark Run coming up at the end of the month, and as we approach our 5K run, we're finding out whether we have the knowledge and habits when it comes to our heart health. So joining me now is NHS GP, Dr Poonam Krishan. Hello, thank you for having me on. Are we looking after our hearts, do you think? That's a very good question. And actually, recently, there was some research that we did as part of Fitbit, where they were asking a question about heart health. And it was really surprising that over a third, so 39% people had never checked their heart health or knew about it. And increasingly, we're seeing this more and more that people aren't as informed about what they should be looking out for and what that even means. So what kind of things should we be looking out for? So looking after your heart health, I mean, I think what we forget generally is that the heart is the most powerful and important organ of the body. You know, it is responsible for pumping all that blood round to every single tissue in the body through which we get our oxygen and nourishes us. But the moment that you let that slip and you're not addressing it, and the thing is that when you are young and otherwise active and fit, you're not thinking about the consequences of your heart 40, 50 years down the line. And it's really about no matter what age you are, learning about why your heart is important and learning that it is a muscle that it needs constant daily work every single day and learning to do that so that is through lots of different lifestyle factors things like you know your diet your fitness your sleeping stress management and as well as like other ways to be able to check in on what your heart's doing something that we ignore a lot and what are the things that we should be looking out for? I mean, we think of heart attacks. We sometimes think of those as affecting older people. But more and more often, it does seem that younger people are being affected. So that's one thing that we should be looking out for. What are the other things as well? 
Do you know, it's interesting you say that because I think that common things that people talk about are, as you say, heart attacks, strokes. And we know that people are familiar with those terms. But when it comes to younger people, there's other conditions that can affect the heart. For example, we know that one in four people aged over 40 will suffer from a rhythm disturbance of their heart called atrial fibrillation. And often this can come without any symptoms but can be the risk factor for developing strokes or having heart failure later down the line. So actually what I am a big advocate for, I advise all my patients to do, is become familiar with what your normal heart rhythm and beat looks and sounds and feels like, you know. So regularly just tapping in, but putting your fingers on your wrist on the side of your neck to have a feel of what's your resting heart rate. Is it regular? Tap it out. And I think that once the more you become familiar with what your normal is, the faster you can detect when something's abnormal. Now, there's lots of people are using tracking devices, which I, again, am a big fan of because lots of young people don't necessarily have the time to sit and, and really check in on what their heart's doing. So tracking devices are a great way of doing that. And something actually, there's a new feature on Fitbit. They've got a new irregular heart rhythm notification feature, which while you're sleeping or resting, collates all the data of what is your heart rhythm doing? And then it sends all that data and lets you know that if there is a rhythm disturbance or a variation, then you need to check in with your doctor. So it's a good way to kind of background check that. I think it's great, isn't it? Because we are wearing the wearable technology more and more. And we're using it for different things. And even younger people are using them. So to have this feature on so many of the new tech is amazing. I run, I play sports as well. I'm forever checking my watch to see what I'm up to, resting heart rate and accelerating over time. And as you say, they do have these features now where they, they alert you to different things. So what should we be looking out for? I mean, if we have these fitness devices, what are the things that we should be looking out for and when should we take it further and and maybe seek medical advice? Yeah, so it's using them sensibly and knowing that actually they can be a really positive addition to your life. I know it's not for everyone, but certainly to be able to collect data, we know that good sleep hygiene is linked to better heart health and long-term heart health. We know that fitness is really helpful and for some people it might be that they're engaging in high-intensity workouts every day. For other people it might be just gauging how many steps they're doing. All movement is great, but these devices are very helpful in that they can alert you if something is out with the normal range. And because it's collecting that data all the time, I have patients regularly who will bring in the numbers. Uh, you know, I had somebody recently who wore a fitness device and were like, my heart rate for the last couple of weeks is consistently just 120 and it used to be around 80, 90. And then that sparked off us being able to do some investigations and to check them out to make sure that they were okay. But I think that had they not had that, they wouldn't perhaps have known about it and therefore could have ended up in a bit of a pickle later on down the line, potentially developing something more serious. Heart rate, definitely something we should be monitoring, especially as we are doing exercise. And what are the early signs should we be aware of that can indicate issues with our cardiovascular system? Yeah, so it's making sure that your heart rhythm is kind of regular. So now an average heartbeat is around 72, but anything between 60 to 100 beats per minute is normal. And if anything exceeds that, or indeed if you develop any symptoms, for example, feeling short of breath, 
feeling dizzy, anything like that, then obviously that is a trigger to seek medical help. I mentioned earlier about this condition called atrial fibrillation, and I do think that we need to raise awareness about some of these conditions that are very common, as it affects 1.4 million people in the UK. One in four of us is going to get that over the age of 40 in our lifetime. Then do you know what? Education is everything. So I guess just becoming familiar with what your health is doing and be vigilant. Make sure that you're nourishing yourself in every way, from everything down to your sleep quality as well as quantity, making sure that you're sitting less and moving more, making sure that you are controlling any triggers like stress management and anxiety management and eating well. Yeah, so these are all kind of factors we need to consider if we're having bad sleep or other things that are going on, the heart rate and these kind of measurements are really the first sign that something's not right and we should really be taking notice of it. Address it, yes. Root cause is everything. If we can get to the bottom of what the problem is and you want to address it because we're never present enough. Life is very busy these days, 24-7. Everyone's go, go, go. You don't stop to actually think about what am I going to be like in 20, 30 years' time? And you don't want to wait to that time. Prevention is always better than cure and start today but tapping into going well, what is my health like what's my fitness like is there any area of my lifestyle that I can improve if you're a smoker for example you know cutting down on that there's lots of help and support available within the NHS to do that if you're drinking alcohol moderation is key the point being that there's lots of different things within our lifestyles that all of us myself you everyone can work on but it's, it's starting today and it's promising and giving yourself a pledge of one actionable thing that you can make a conscious change over for future better heart health. I think there's lots of things for people to think about there, lots of information. So if people want to find out more, where can they go to? So if you want to find out more about some of the conditions I've spoken about, NHS website is always a brilliant place to start. And in terms of learning about the regular heart rhythm notification feature or some of the, the tracking features we've spoken about today, then Fitbit website has lots of amazing information. Thanks so much. That's NHS GP, Dr. Poonam Christian. Thank you so much for being here today. A space to speak your mind. It's now time to find out about the Eve Appeal and the launch of a new awareness campaign, Beginner Aware, with the Space to Speak Your Minds contributor Emma and Dr. Hilary Jones. The number of women and people with gynae organs raising red flag gynecological concerns with their GP has reduced by almost a fifth since before the COVID-19 pandemic, according to new data. That's why GSK, in partnership with the Eve Appeal, is launching Be Gynaware, a new campaign to raise awareness of gynecological health to help people understand what is normal for them and to feel confident visiting their doctor for advice if they have concerns. Here with me now to discuss this further is Dr. Hilary Jones. Dr. Hilary, can you start by outlining what these red flag concerns are? There are a number of symptoms that could point towards something serious relating to a woman's gynecological health. It could be bloating, it could be pain in the back, it could be abnormal bleeding either before or after the menopause, it could be any lumps, bumps or irritation or discharge. Anything like this that is out of the normal for that woman or the person with gynecological organs should really be talked about with the doctor. A consultation should be achieved because we know that the red flag symptoms, which are associated with more serious things, if they're neglected, will probably have a worse outcome and the woman will be suffering for longer unnecessarily. So it's really important that we make that gynecological health consultation as straightforward, as easy, 
as unembarrassing and as simple as possible with the woman feeling confident and totally in control of the consultation and any examination that might be necessary. So why is it important people know more about this? Because we know that, as you said in your introduction, there's a fifth less women are coming forward than before the pandemic to report these kind of symptoms. Now, that means that the diagnosis is being delayed and patients are suffering symptoms for longer, which will be inconvenient and uncomfortable and perhaps concerning. So it's important that women feel empowered, that they have the wherewithal to have the confidence to make the appointment, to know what's expected during the appointment, to know what's going to happen after the appointment and what the follow-up, if any, is going to be required. And if we can take away that feeling of anxiety, of shyness, of embarrassment, especially with people with extra barriers such as cultural or religious issues, then we will be able to help women in a much better and more efficient way than we're currently doing. So that's what the Be Gynae Aware campaign is all about. And there are some excellent ways of empowering women on the website. There are sort of illustrations that women can use to point out exactly what they're talking about in terms of their anatomy with the doctor. It talks about chaperones and the right to have a chaperone with you at an examination, what happens during the examination, how you stay in control, giving you time and space, and all these things hugely reassuring for a woman who thinks she might need to discuss something with her doctor. So what should people be doing if they notice the red flags? They should get on the telephone to their GP surgery and ask for an appointment, whether it initially is offered online or in person, but not hesitate to make that call. You can find out what those red flag symptoms are on the website. There are discussion guides for both the patients and healthcare professionals about making things as straightforward as possible. And once you've spoken to the doctor, hopefully that appointment will be made, you'll be reassured, you'll be able to have a full discussion about any treatment required and the way forward. But certainly ignoring your symptoms is not the thing to do. You can ask for a female GP if one is available. One may or may not always be available, but just because you might be seeing a male GP is not a reason to delay making that appointment. Male GPs are professional, highly trained, just like anybody else, and they will make the experience as straightforward as they possibly can for you. And people can get a little bit confused sometimes with symptoms. Are there any specific symptoms with this that will help people sort of define what the issues are? Yeah, there's a checklist on the website. But basically, if you were experiencing any kind of abnormal bleeding, gynecological bleeding, if your periods were heavier, more irregular, if you had bleeding after making love, if you had bleeding after the menopause, these things would be things that needed to be investigated. If you had any blood in a discharge, you would want to know about your cervical status, for example. If you had any lumps or bumps, you would want to get that checked out because people can get cysts anywhere. If you had abdominal bloating or backache, could point to something to do with your ovaries. So these kind of symptoms, there's a whole checklist there, but it's really about anything that's not normal for you. Anything that is out of the ordinary, get it checked out. That would be my recommendation. And finally, where can people go for more about this information? So the website to go to is the eveappeal.org.uk forward slash be aware. Thank you very much, Dr. Hillary. That was our chat about the launch of the new campaign, Be Gynae Aware. Thanks, Emma. Thanks to Emma and also to Dr. Hillary Jones 
for joining us here on the show today. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. Menopause is something that can't be helped and is still often labelled as a taboo subject and not openly talked about or recognised in the workplace. Perhaps surprisingly, 29% of middle managers said they couldn't name five symptoms of the menopause. In fact, 49% of women who were in employment at the time they went through the menopause said they didn't feel comfortable enough to tell their line manager about it. Reasons as to why include the manager being male, having no policy in place to support women going through the menopause and also feeling embarrassed. For health policies for women in the workplace, 53% of middle managers who are managing women say their company doesn't have a policy, but disappointingly, as little as 24% of women aren't aware that their workplace has formal policies in place to support women's health, including menstruation, those trying to conceive, post-birth, miscarriage and pregnancy. A third admitted they wanted to leave their job due to lack of support while they went through the menopause at work. And shockingly, 13% said they'd been subjected to jokes, ridicule or unwanted banter about their menopause in the workplace. And even 6% had their employer either terminated their employment or placed them on an improved plan due to their menopause symptoms. So I'm joined by Joe Mackey, who's the principal lawyer and head of the employment law team at Slater & Gordon. So we're asking, should the menopause be recognised as a protected characteristic in the workplace? And there's been research carried out about the way the menopause affects women in employment. So, Joe, what were the main findings from those questions about their experiences? So we found, first of all, that there's about uh, three and a half million women in the UK female workforce who are affected today by menopause symptoms. And more than a third of them are having to take off work time, either unpaid leave or taking holiday rather than any other leave because they're having symptoms of menopause and it's it's interrupting how they work. So things like hot flushes, brain flog and the fatigue that can sometimes go with menopause. And what are the actual legal rights women do have when they're experiencing menopausal symptoms at work? So this is where it's a bit difficult because at the moment there aren't really any. Though What we are seeing is an evolution of employment law. There's a great piece of legislation called the Equality Act which protects you at work if you have what the law calls a disability. So things that would be a disability instantly would be things like MS or cancer. But what we're seeing is, and we've just won a case on this, the definition of disability is being extended to symptoms that affect you while something else is going on. It doesn't have to be particularly long lasting. Over a year is usually the case. But so the case we've seen is of a woman who she was humiliated at work. She was bullied and picked on for having hot flushes and going very red and all the symptoms that go with that and feeling very tired. And I think she took a bit of time off. She had to get up from her desk to go and get drinks of water or go outside to get cool. And people really took the mickey out of her. They really bullied her about it. And she brought a claim and we won that case. So the law is changing so that if you have a symptom that's related to menopause that doesn't put you on an equal footing with other people at work, you can consider that as something to give you some protection against bullying harassment. And it's not okay to take the mickey out of you at work because you're having symptoms of menopause. That's the lesson. And from what you're saying there, the way women are made to feel can also affect their mental health too. So what can companies and employers do to improve women's health? You're absolutely right. It affects their mental health. It can be very depressing to have that happen to you at work. And that's what we've seen time and time again. Women feel humiliated and belittled and they just don't want to go back to work. So the businesses, about half of businesses in the UK now have a menopause policy. I'd encourage all businesses to get one as soon as they can, because the law is changing and protection is arising just because of awareness of cases that, you know, quite slow moving through employment tribunal. And that does bring case law. So business needs a policy in place which tells managers how to deal with things, says who employees can speak to and gives that framework that businesses need for how to deal with something like symptoms of menopause. Because as you might say, someone comes in and says, I'm 
I've got depression or anxiety, it's going to be a similar thing. I've got things that are arising to me because of the menopause, and that's giving me reasons not to come to work at this particular time because I can't sleep at night or because you can't give me space to sit by a window or I need to go and get cold water, that kind of thing. They're called reasonable adjustments, and they're important for an employer to take into an account. Because obviously it affects the employer as well. So if the woman is experiencing this, not being as productive as well as not feeling good in themselves. So it's really for the employer to take this on board, obviously legally, but also just as a pure compassionate thing for the person and for the workplace. That's true. And, and you're right that it should be a compassionate thing. But, you know, the thing that drives so many employers, obviously, is productivity. And they're going to get so much more from an engaged, well employee than they are someone that they're allowing to be bullied and ridiculed because of a normal process, just something that's happening to them. It's a hormonal change in their body. We wouldn't allow it in cases of, let's say, hot flushes caused by tamoxifen, which is a side effect of tamoxifen, which is a breast cancer drug. We wouldn't think that's okay to take the mickey out of a woman for that, would we? So why would we do it for the same thing that's happening to her just because of her hormonal changes? And that's what we need to start to consider. We need to treat women, and there are, of course, some men who go through the male menopause, so it's a tiny number. We need to treat people better at work. And what would you suggest, really? Because it, it can be a difficult conversation for a woman to have, especially if their employer or their line manager is male and maybe isn't familiar with the symptoms. What really can women do to be more comfortable in the workplace? That's right. You're absolutely right. You know, predominantly if a male managers are there and they don't have that kind of inclination to want to speak to a woman about it, that's a problem for the business. For the women involved, I think if there's someone in the business you can identify that you can speak to. So... You might find there's someone in HR, if you've got an HR team, you might find there's a trade union representative, or you might find a senior manager in the business who's female. Just raise it with them, raise it gently and see what comes out of that. If you don't feel comfortable after that conversation, I suggest you just have a look at see, for example, our website. We just give you some free guidance on what to look out for and what menopause is about. Slatergordon.co.uk. And you can look at places like ACAS. They give you free guidance online which just sets out what kind of symptoms to look out for and what to do and it can also point you in the direction of who to speak to but certainly if you're being bullied or picked on at work because of something that's happening to do with menopause that's totally unacceptable and you know I don't think any line manager should make anybody feel uncomfortable about reporting an incident of bullying along those lines. And do you think times are changing as far as women being able to speak about menopausal symptoms at work? What I would say is, so my mum, bless her, she died at 70. She would have been 85 now, but she would never have spoken to me about menopause. That was a generational thing. I'm kind of less likely to, I suppose, than my daughter, who's in her late teenage years, and she really will speak about everything. It's a generational thing. and We're seeing that change come through. And as that change comes through, we're seeing the law change as well. And I would encourage women who are feeling that it's something that's affecting them at work and they're not being treated fairly at work to speak up because I do think the law is evolving to be on your side. Thank you so much for that. So that's Joe Mackey, who's the Principal Lawyer and Head of the Employment Law Team at Slater & Gordon. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you very much. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. If you missed anything on today's show, you can download the podcast right now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and also Amazon Podcasts. And for support and more information for better mental health, visit cornwallminds.org or you can call the Mind Helpline during office hours on 0300 123 3393. That's 0300 123 3393. And there is a new 24-7 NHS local urgent mental health response phone line. It's free to access by anyone, any age, and that's on 0800 038 5300. 
And don't forget, you can call the Samaritans anytime for free on 116123. If you missed any of those numbers, they are in the show notes of the podcast of this programme right now. If you'd like to be part of the show, you can get in contact with us. Just email aspacetospeakyourmind at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at aspacetospeak or like us on Facebook. I'm Richard, and I'll speak to you next time here on A Space to Speak Your Mind. A Space to Speak Your Mind with Cornwall Mind for better mental health. 